0: It's the Rule Breaker Investing podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner, and welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. As I mentioned last week, I'm really excited to play our game again. I've got my friend Matt Argusinger. Matt, hello. Hey, Matt, you are the ringer at our market cap game show. You have been here for the first two episodes. This is episode three. Just to lay out the ground rules, because I'm sure we have some new listeners this week, as we do every week. So The ground rules are that we're talking about the market cap of each of the 10 companies over the course of our podcast this week, our game show. I've selected the companies. They're all picked from the Supernova universe. That is the sum total of all the stocks that are active recommendations that I've made in Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers. and That's about 220 companies or so, all actively recommended. They're all my children, I love them all. They sometimes came with other dads or moms into the family, Matt, at least one of these you've picked um, before. But um, but we use these uh, in the Supernova universe to create real money portfolio what we call missions to stick with kind of our space theme and Matt you are, you have been from day 1 the commander of which mission the odyssey 1 mission the odyssey 1 mission whose goal has been and is is to well like all
1: our portfolios and scorecards to beat the market over time but this particular mission is caters to wage earning investors investors who are probably at least I don't know, maybe five to 10 years away from retirement, who are still earning a wage or saving money and investing on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, and the Odyssey One mission just crossed a pretty remarkable milestone. Can you remind us roughly what month and year you started Odyssey One, and what did you just achieve last week? Right. Well, we are actually,
1: I think, about a week away from Supernova's six-year anniversary. I think it was March 20, 2012, which is the day Odyssey One launched. And just this last week, this recently, this recent past week, we crossed the 200% threshold. So, Odyssey One, the Odyssey One portfolio has tripled in less than six years, or just about six years,
0: which is just absolutely spectacular for a
1: portfolio. Yeah, I think it's it's amazing.
0: <laughs> it's it's real money, real recommendations, and people who signed on uh, March of 2012 to join you and your team um, have just been treated to. Outstanding advice, and it makes me proud to be on your team, Matt. And thank you for all that you and the Odyssey One mission team have done. Oh well,
1: thank you, David, and thanks for you know selecting me to be on the team, along with Aaron Bush, uh, Tim Byers, Sarah, uh, Sarah Goddard, and Joe Tenabruso and Paul Chi, who were on the mission at various points. Yep. Uh, it's just we're yeah you know, we're really proud, and it's been just an exciting and fun ride the whole it, way. through. It
0: really has, and obviously we've all been helped by a very strong stock market since March of 2012. It would have been hard to even get a plus 100 if we were in the middle of a protracted bear market over the last six years. But um, I always like to say, the market goes up more than it goes down. And uh, while it does go down faster than it goes up, if you can keep both those thoughts in your head, you're going to be pretty happy if you keep your head on and just stay invested and use the benefit of the stock market. And a lot of people, Matt, I think picture the stock market as a parabola, because they think they have to buy low and sell high and sell quickly before it goes back down again. but you and I probably—I'm not a math major. Were you at Brandeis? I was at Brandeis. Was good, you were I mean, actually a math major.
1: I was not a math
0: major. Oh, at I see. I went to Brandeis. I knew you're at Brandeis. Okay. So. <laughs> so maybe we're fellow humanities
1: guys. Yeah, just yeah, roughly. I did I did theater. I did some economics, and so excellent. And I use some math.
0: Good. Some math. So you would recognize that the stock market, if you look at a graph of the last century, looks more like a hyperbola, not a parabola, and right. that's really important to know. It's one of the great truths that, unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't don't realize. They don't have that big picture. Anyway, with that said, we're playing the Market Cap Game Show. Now, Rick Engdahl, our talented producer, will be bringing the music that you know and love. And that is the sound of the beginning of the Market Cap Game Show. Now, Matt, I've got 10 companies. I've queued them up alphabetically by ticker, as we've done in our previous two episodes. I should mention that you, not you, Matt, no, you, my fellow listener, my fellow fool, you are playing the game, too. Maybe you've been with us. We play this quarterly. Maybe you were here in November or last summer when we first started. You're playing along with Matt. And the goal is to guess within 20% above or below, to guess within 20% the actual market cap of each of these companies. Now, Matt, for new investors, can you briefly explain what market cap is?
1: Sure. Market cap is an easy way to measure the size of a company, and it's very simple. You simply take the share price of the company and multiply it by the shares outstanding, and that gives you the market capitalization, which just is a way to, you know, size up and compare companies across various sizes.
0: Yeah, and what's important about this game, I think, and just thinking in terms of market caps, is you know, if you have a company worth ten billion dollars. Versus one worth one billion dollars, what does it take to double from ten billion versus one billion? And I think it's fair to say, all other things being equal, which they never are, it's probably easier to find a double and double your money from a one billion dollar standing start than a ten billion dollar standing start.
1: Absolutely, and and I think over time, if you've followed the stock market for decades, small cap companies do tend to outperform their larger
0: companies uh, over time, especially when we find rule breakers, the real the ones that start out breaking the rules from a disruptive small position, like, let's say, Amazon.com, and then, in time, go from rule breaker to rule maker. So, knowing your market caps is really helpful. It just gives you a sense of sizing. It's the way that venture capitalists often think, right? They don't have a public stock market quoting their stock every day, but they're thinking in terms of how much this thing is worth, and then what it could grow to 10 years hence. 20-bagger, 100 bagger, those kinds. of So, market cap thinking gets you thinking in terms of how that stock might perform and what the total possibility might be for a company.
1: That's totally well put. And it gives you some evaluation measure if you want to compare the market cap versus, say, the sales of the company or the earnings of a company. Again, another way to compare companies across
0: different industries or you know different sectors makes it easy. Exactly. And I'll say ahead of time, hint, hint, Two of these companies actually have an identical market cap, and what's fun about that is these companies are quite different. And I love noticing that the market is valuing them equally, even though they're radically different in terms of who and what they are. So it really is a simple but great numerical tool and highly worthy of a game. A very entertaining and educational game. Our goal of the Motley Pool is to educate, to amuse, and to enrich. We're gonna to hope to do all three this week. All right. Matt Argasinger? Company number one, the ticker symbol is DDD, and this company is 3D Systems, the additive manufacturer, the 3D printing company. Now, Matt, I wanted to lead off with this one because you brought back a story to Fool HQ some years ago, and I didn't quite pay enough attention, and it's been very costly for me to do so. Matt, could you give that up close and personal that you had with 3D systems?
1: Sure. Well, it was several years ago, we went to the Consumer Electronics Show, myself and a few other analysts from The Fool. And this was really, I want to say it was 2014, if my memory is correct. And it was really the there was nothing hotter in the market right then than 3D printing, uh, and of course, 3D Systems was the leader in the market. And a just monster remember, uh, winning stock. Oh, for us at the time, huge, huge. And I, but I just remember that we went into one particular, um, you know, demonstration hall at CES. And I want to say the 3D printing companies. There were dozens of them, and they took up probably half the the, the room, which wow. was thousands of square feet. Uh, and it was just so impressive and a little overwhelming. And it got, I got the sense that. You know, maybe this is a little bit marking a little bit of a peak.
0: Little in, overblown in
1: 3D printing, um, and uh, I should it turns out I should have paid a little more attention to myself as well because it did. It was around that time that I think 3D Systems and a few of the others kind of hit their, their peak in terms of market valuation. Did so, you uh, Did you have a chance to shake
0: hands or meet the CEO? You know, we
1: tried to. <laughs> That's a funny story, too. Matt Greer, one of our producers here at the Fool, tried his darnest to get us uh, an interview with the CEO of 3D Systems, and we just got rebuffed at every point. So, and that was just another indication that hey, if they don't want to talk to the Motley Fool, you know, maybe just they're a
0: little bit too big. Big and successful, yeah. They're to still too proud of themselves. Yeah, with Matt Argensinger, okay. <laughs> so Matt, you know, <laughs> I know when I lead off with 3D Systems, there's a little edge there in you that I that I like, and I want to show off to our listeners. Uh, yeah. So Matt, what is the market cap within 20% either way today of 3D Systems?
1: Oh my gosh, it's uh, well, I'll say this: it's a lot smaller than it used to be, um, but I, I'm going to say it's still probably around two billion dollars in market cap.
0: <laughs> oh not starting off on a ground. <laughs> well, um it, you're not far off. You're not far off. But this is a numerical game. We gotta stick with the numbers here. And the market cap of 3D systems today is 1.4 billion. Oh, so just, okay. players at home, if you were anywhere within 1.1 to 1.7 billion, you were within that 20% band either way, and give yourself a plus one. Matt, unfortunately, we're gonna to have to keep you at zero to start this game, which is right. rare for you. Uh-huh. 'Cause we played this game, this is our third time now, and the last two times you got six out of ten, both times, and six out of ten is a remarkably good score. We've said par is four. Now in some ways par doesn't work that well, right? Because par you want to be below yeah. it, but but you know, you're above it and, and that's good. Getting six is remarkable. Maybe we should change the concept and drop
1: par. No, no. Well, I don't know. I mean, we could, we could use hurdle or something like that because I'm trying to get over it. But yeah, yeah. You, I like par, because I I golf like you, and so right, it's good. it's easy to.
0: Kind all of right, of we'll stick with that. So so and, and definitely warm up your Twitter hashtags here, fellow breakers. Because if you beat Matt this week, hashtag I beat Matt will be the one you want to use. If you lose to Matt. Hashtag I lost to Matt. Now, in my experience, people are less willing to put that hashtag out there, <laughs> um, but it's all in good fun. But I mean, this is a great game to learn from. And Matt, I think you may have just learned something there. I learned a lot about 3D Systems myself, which is that it wasn't going to be a very good stock for us. It still remains an active recommendation today, but first recommended in January of 2012 at 12 bucks and 27 cents, 12.27. It was up to 19 five months later. I recommended it again. Those positions with the stock at 12 today are kind of flat to down, but the market is up more than 100% from both positions. So, we have gotten drilled by holding and advocating for DDD by about 300 points of alpha, which Hurts. But I'd
1: say at one point, and you alluded to it though, I feel like 3D Systems was maybe a seven or eight bagger. It was a remarkable. So, You're
0: right. It's gone from about a 600% return or something like that yeah. down to about zero. And that's not the first time it's happened. It won't be the last, probably. I do continue to hold it because I like this business. It is a relevant company, but as you said, a lot smaller, even smaller than you thought <laughs> uh, as of this week. Okay. Company number two. Matt, have you been looking at clustered? regularly interspaced, short palindromic repeats recently? I can't say that I have, <laughs> Alright, good. So I definitely had to check Wikipedia for the words behind the acronym CRISPR, which is a really important oncoming technology, which gives us the ability, potentially, to edit your genes or mine, get rid of the bad stuff, put in some good stuff, change humanity in some ways that I think humanity can be improved. But also, has a lot of ethical questions as well. It's a fascinating time, and Editas Medicine, which Mm. is a recent pick in Motley Fool Rule Breakers, is one of the leaders in this emergent space. Now, the ticker symbol for Editas Medicine is, appropriately enough, EDIT. Matt have you looked into this company is this part of the Odyssey 1 portfolio
1: It is not part of Odyssey 1 yet but I but Aaron Bush who's on our team has pitched it at least once and so we've had a conversation as a team around it So and, and I I've, I've heard of CRISPR and I you know that that's familiar to me but not the actual uh, the, the actual words behind it
0: Yeah let's go with that Again clustered regularly interspaced short palindromic repeats You know what a palindrome is right it's yes. a word that reads the same front or back right. I've always felt like The word itself should be a palindrome. It's disappointing to me that palindrome is itself not a palindrome. Anyway, so Editas Medicine has been a raging winner for Rule Breakers. We first picked it on September 27th of last year, so here we are about six months later. It's gone from 1993, where we picked it, $19, to $41. It's up more than a double in six months for Rule Breaker members. I took a shine to it again in December, three months later. It had gone from twenty to twenty five, picked it again, so that position's up sixty six percent. This company has been on fire. Matt Argusinger and all my fellow fools playing at home. What is the market cap of Editas Medicine? I'm Trying to remember Aaron's pitch and I, I feel it's it's gone up since I'm gonna say about twelve billion that is your biggest miss in the history of the market cap gaming oh, no! film I know uh, I <laughs> I am swinging and missing but, but but the few times that you get something dramatically wrong and it really almost never happens but that's part of the it needs to happen to make this show fun i always say this Maybe you should listen to Aaron. I, I because you know, clearly I'm not listening. Closely you think <laughs> that it's worth a lot more than it actually is. So if you're willing to accept, and I'm not just saying this to you, I'm saying this to all of us. If you hear of a market cap that is well below where you thought something was, that sounds to me like further cause for research. Matt, the market cap of Editas Medicine is 1.8 billion. Oh my goodness! So playing at home, fellow fools, if you were anywhere from 1.4 to 2.2 billion Give yourself a plus one. And if you are, you're beating Matt because shockingly, he's been (laughs) shut out in the first two innings. Crushed. All right. So remember, par is four for Matt and everybody playing at home. So, Matt, you got some catching up to do. Still have a shot. I've got some easier ones coming. I realize that's tough to throw Editas Medicine and break down that acronym for you and um, all our fellow rule breakers. Okay. Company number three. Speaking of dramatic misses, Matt. Looking back over last show, which I re-listened to in preparation for this one, you missed this one by more than any, any anything else. And I'm thinking you're probably going to get it because you're somebody who learns from his mistakes. Wow, well, we'll You were see. about <laughs> 2X off of this one last time we talked. That's why I had to bring it back out and see if you're learning as we go. This is totally unfair. I've always pointed out, I, I would never play this game in your seat. I much prefer being Alex Trebek for this game, so thanks for being the guinea pig. FedEx, the ticker symbol is FD. X. Um, it is your biggest whiff yeah. until Editas, on this show, Matt Argusinger. What is the market cap of FedEx? Okay,
1: I think I remember that you said I was off by two X. So I think I went way over on FedEx. I thought it was a lot bigger than it is. Sixty billion
0: great job. All man. right.
1: Cuz I think I said 120 or 130 or something like that. You're right. Time, so. And in
0: fact, uh, FedEx is today at 67 billion. So All this right. is a stock we first recommended in Motley Fool Stock Advisor in January of 2003. So that's 15 plus years. It was at $52.71. Since then, today it's at 249.96. Basically, it's gone from 50 to 250. So that's a 374% return, which sounds great. But the market is actually up 300 and something like seven points in that time. So it's really only ahead of the market about 67 points. I did re-recommend it three years later. We're slightly losing on that position. Overall, it's been a winner. Certainly, people are happy to own FedEx, and I like the company a lot going forward. Now, for all of those playing at home. If you're anywhere at the low end, $54 billion, up to $80 billion, give yourself a plus one, and Matt gets a plus one as well. On the board. Okay, Ka-ching! All right, well, let's use that momentum to power forward into stock number no. 4. Now, remember, my fellow Fools, we are going alphabetically by ticker, so we're about to proceed from F to the letter G, and another one of those horrendous dog picks that I have made in Motley Fool Rule Breakers. I don't like to have to share that, but as a, as a capital F Fool, I am compelled to share both my losers and my winners, as are all of us. Anytime you encounter a Motley Fool advisor or investment researcher, you should fully expect him or her to be just as willing to talk about our losers as our winners, and both of those types are on display this week. Okay, Matt, the ticker symbol is GPRO. The company is GoPro, which Looked like a rule breaker when I picked it in October of 2014 at 80. Um, I'll say in a little bit. Maybe you know where it is trading today, but that might start giving you too much information before you have to make your guess. But it might be fair to say this company looks more like a faker breaker than a rule breaker. Matt, have you have you been a customer of GoPro? I've
1: not never been a customer. I am a shareholder though, and it's one of those ones where it's in the brokerage account. And I just kind of I. I Gloss over it as fast as I can.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and and it <laughs> but, gets easier to gloss over when the numbers get quite small, that's don't right, they? That's right. Um, yeah. So GoPro. Now, Matt, one thing I know about you is that you've climbed some remarkable peaks in this world, and I would have thought maybe you had a drone flying above you to capture you in slow mo and do a 360 Lord of the Rings sweep around you as you climb up Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Kilimanjaro, for Kilimanjaro, example, for example. Yeah. but.
1: No, enough. you know I never. We we've I've I've taken a video camera on some of our expeditions, but I've never never made the leap to a GoPro or let alone to drones. So I've always used the old school, even the handheld video camera, which I don't even know if they make those anymore. But
0: <laughs> I saw a great shot of you wearing a jester cap in full full regalia on top of maybe it was Kilimanjaro. Yeah, that might right. have been a selfie, but. Um, but so in future, you could help out our company here by maybe getting the GoPro Five or whatever is the latest model, and and you know being a little bit more self indulgent and vain. I, I totally, I totally in slow mo <laughs> from a a panning shot a hundred feet above you. Okay, so speaking of peaks, uh, GoPro was probably at or near its all time high when I picked it. Then it's much lower today. Matt Argusinger and all my fellow fools, what is the market cap today of GoPro?
1: I'm gonna guess it's. I think it's. I think it's just below a billion. I'm going to say nine hundred million.
0: Killed it. All right. It's almost like you own the stock. I think. I think that's yeah. <laughs> so the market cap of GoPro, as we taped this on Tuesday afternoon, March 13th, was well. The stock had dropped from eighty to five dollars and sixty-four cents, and that checks in at a market cap of eight hundred twenty-four million. So fools playing at home. If you're anywhere at a low of 660 million to a high of let's call it 970 million, you can't give yourself it if you said a billion, just below a billion, then do give yourself a plus 1. Uh, Matt, it has been a rocky ride in fact. That is a stock that I have picked that has led to a 93% drop from the price we paid for it back in October of 2014.
1: Ouch. Tough. Can't win them all. Still, kind of believe in the company, and I believe in the CEO and the founder. Uh, but you know, it's just—I think it was the competition. I think the not and not being able to transition from that hardware-focused business to a real software-focused business, which was the intent. It's—it's been—it's
0: been a tough road. That's right. But, Part of our thesis had been, and we've had to change it, that the company, in addition to being a hardware company, was going to become a network. Basically, like a television network with advertising and all the platform benefits that you get from creating something, with all the GoPro videos that people were pinning up on YouTube, etc., that GoPro had an opportunity to be its own media brand. Right. And it turns out it hasn't really achieved that. Meanwhile, Nick Woodman, the CEO, I was like watching him on was it Shark Tank or reality TV? He was on Shark Tank. Yeah, you're right. I was like, shouldn't he be our CEO and be doing? The work of the business for the shareholders, not on somebody else's reality TV show, but um, take it as it is. But we've kept that recommendation all the way in, so we've gone from 80 down to five. It hurts, but it hurts a lot less if you don't add to things on the way down. And that's something that we're pretty good at avoiding here as rule breakers. All right, we're just about near halftime, but we got to fit in stock number five. So, Matt, now one thing I remember about you, we haven't talked about this in a long time, but I believe that you and I have both acted on the same stage in Alexandria, Virginia. Oh, at the Little
1: Theater of Alexandria.
0: Indeed. That's right. So, I took a role back in the day as a younger Fool myself. Literally, my role was the capital Y, capital F, Young Fool. It was in the musical Big River, and I was singing the Arkansas song and and having fun as one of the boys in Huck Finn's band. So, that was my little theater experience. Now, Matt, what was your little theater experience?
1: Well, I've I've actually done several shows there, but the most memorable one was, I was in Biloxi Blues, uh, and that was uh, that's how I met my wife, actually,
0: and that was uh, gosh, that was twelve years ago now. <laughs> and that's <laughs> so, remarkable. So it's our it's our community theater here in lovely old town Alexandria, the Little Theater of Alexandria. You and I share that bond, even though we didn't know each other at all, and we, we weren't in the same productions. But I'm thinking about theaters, Matt, and okay. so as we hit the letter I, I'm thinking about IMAX. Ah. So IMAX is a company that fills a lot more seats on a daily or annual basis than the Little Theater of Alexandria. Uh, but it's been an interesting company. I've recommended it now three times in 2005, 2010, and 2015. That You might see a little mathematical pattern there. And it was looking like a raging winner as of a few years ago, but IMAX hasn't been great in recent years. Matt, what is the market cap of IMAX?
1: This one I should know, because we own it in our Odyssey One mission in Supernova. I know it's struggled a little bit lately. I'm going to say it's probably around $3 billion nowadays.
0: It's been a tougher time
1: for this oh, company and for Matt Argesinger oh, than you worse. would have thought.
0: Oh, Actually, IMAX is at one point, we'll call it $3 today. Wow. today. It so, has been much tougher than Yeah, it's about half of what you thought. And frankly, it's about actually half down from where it was summer of 2015. So, it was around 40 at that point. Today, the stock tips the scales at about $20.60. So, just over 20 and so. The pick that I made in August of 2005 at 10, and then adding five years later at 13, those felt really good. They're still in the black, but when I added it at 32 in the summer of 2015, that wasn't a good call. Again, now the stock is just below 21. Give yourself a plus one at home if you were anywhere from 1 billion at the low end to 1.6 billion on the high end. Now, IMAX has got to have sold a lot of Black Panther tickets here in the last month. I have to be. It Has to be a huge hit. So it is a portfolio holding for Odyssey One, Matt. What is? Do you have any perspective that you want to share other than you thought it was worth twice as much as it actually is? <laughs> I kind of held on to the peak market cap all the way. To, uh,
1: well, I I think with IMAX we thought going in that the way people that theater going was kind of kind of be declining, but but if people were going to go to the theater, they were probably going to go to IMAX and see big, you know, superhero movies like Black Panther or the Avengers and movies like that, and so knowing that i thought well imax can still be a good investment because i think that's still you know a growth a growth market and it's by the way it's expanding in europe and china and elsewhere but it just hasn't been you know it's been just a very rocky road you know they kind of depend on one or two big movies a season and if those movies disappoint in any way or if the tickets
0: fall off and it's it can it can cause the stock to feel some pain yeah so, and you know it's a company that in a lot of ways has the makings of a classic rule breaker. Um, it's a brand that everybody knows. One of my tests, I often ask, I call it my Pepsi test. When a company is the Coca-Cola in its industry, if you can't find a Pepsi, that's usually a pretty good sign. I think everybody knows IMAX, I can't think of really, maybe real 3D or something. Right. There's, there's, it's, there's really not nothing. Brand. No, not no. at all. And so, those those really look good. And and frankly, the stock looked really good for about 10 years that we've held it. But the last couple, it's been cut in half. and. The only real question going forward is, what is the future of IMAX? How's it going to do? Obviously, we, we keep our recommendation in, in Rule Breakers. You still have the stock in Odyssey One. So, our money is where our mouth is, but we'll see. We'll see where this company A lot of growth in China. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they are kind of beholden to hits showing up and to people still wanting to go to the movie theater instead of a home theater or their big 4K set at home these days. Alright, it's halftime, which means it must be time for some ads in addition to our marching band. Well, you probably thought I was going to mention Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, or maybe Casper the Mattress Company, or Slack, or Audible, and they're all favored partners of ours. But no, this week is simply brought to you by Motley Fool Rule Breakers. That's right, we have a break from our normal ads, which means we have to trot out a new ad. You might have heard this before, but you can check out past episodes of this podcast, Rule Breakers, and all of The Motley Fool's podcasts at our podcast center. Just go to podcasts.fool. I listen to all of our podcasts uh, not every single episode because I actually have other work to do but I love I almost always catch every market foolery where I hear Matthew Argusinger among others Motley Fool Money, Motley Fool Answers and Industry Focus. Uh, I am delighted to be part of this talented team doing something special out there in this world for investors. And while you're at podcasts.fool.com you can check out our flagship service, and that's Motley Fool Stock Advisor, from which some of the stocks that Matt has gotten wrong or right today are drawn. So, Motley Fool Stock Advisor, a new issue, comes out the third Friday of the month with two new stock recommendations from me and my brother, Tom Gardner. You can check it out by going to the Podcast Center, in fact, and just scroll to the bottom of the page at podcast.fool.com. Or, I should mention, of course, Motley Fool Rule Breakers. I love both my children. and so Rule Breakers, from which many of these companies are also drawn. Go to RuleBreakers.com to learn more about our service. It focuses on disruptive innovators, companies like, sure, yeah, Editas Medicine, or even some of the ones that don't work out so well, like GoPro. Always keeping our eye, looking forward, asking where the world is headed, and trying to get your and our money invested there. That's a big calling at RuleBreakers. So, RuleBreakers.com. Finally, I see Matt warming up out there on the field. So, before the kickoff to start the second half, I do want to mention that if you haven't already, I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play or Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter, at rbipodcast. And you can follow me on Twitter if you like. I'm at davidgfool. Finally, I hope you'll give us a review. Throw me some stars. Let us know how we're doing. I read every comment I see right now on iTunes, for example, we're at 199 Reviews. So, you, dear listener, you have the opportunity to be number 200. I'd love to see it go well above 200 after this week. But let us know how we're doing and what you'd like to hear from Rule Breaker Investing. All right. Thank you very much. Matt has put his helmet back on. For some reason, I'm using football this time. Let's play ball. All right, Matt. Company number six. Matt, what is the first musical concert of, of any kind, but a real concert that you attended as a younger Argus singer? Sure.
1: Well, in high school, I went to see Tracy Chapman, who uh, who I absolutely love. Uh, you know, and uh, she's uh, just great. Oh, what should be classified these days as folk rock?
0: Maybe I, I don't even know. But, Let's go with that. I, just, I, I the few songs that I've heard from her, and I'm not as much a follower. I think think are outstanding. Do you, do you yeah. remember what you paid for that ticket? Did oh, you pay for gosh. a ticket?
1: Yes. Uh, well. Yes, it's funny. It was in Germany at the time, and I want to say, and this was, by the way, this was pre Euro. Wow. Uh, you know, I want to say it was 30 Deutschmarks, you know, and I don't even know what that was worth at the time. Amazing. But. What was the venue? Do you remember? Well, it was a, it was a concert venue right in Munich, because uh, I, I lived about an hour south of Munich. So uh, That's great. Yeah, you yeah. paid
0: 30 Deutschmarks to see Tracy Chapman back <laughs> in, in the. In Germany. In Munich. That's uh, tremendous. And I think my. <laughs> My first concert was Phil Collins. He came to Chapel Hill, and I went to the Dean Dome, the basketball stadium where the North Carolina Tar Heels play, and Phil Collins was there. So that was, well, the reason I'm asking this is because Live Nation uh, is a wonderful rule breaking company. The ticker symbol is LYV. I first picked it in March of 2017 at 29. Four months later, it had gone to 36 and a fraction, so I picked it again, and today it's at 45. So, really happy that we've picked and added to this winner. And the reason that we love Live Nation and Motley Fool Rule Breakers is because music has changed. There are not many CD sales anymore. Um, Not as many people buying stuff on their iPod. And so, Talented performers like Tracy Chapman do, in fact, these days, do a lot of live music, and that's the way they make a lot of money. And what's great about Live Nation is that the company owns a lot of the venues where these performers perform. They also contract with the performers, make some money there. And, as you probably know, Matt, they own Ticketmaster. So, they're even selling us the tickets to go to the venues that they own to see the musical artists that they've contracted with. So, this is a really great model and a company that we think has low risk and lots of upside Going forward, Matt Argusinger. What is the market cap of Live Nation? I
1: should get this because I looked at the company recently. I'm gonna say
0: 9 billion. Wow, you nailed that. <laughs> I, All thought right. I, thought I, might. I thought I might. Yeah, 9.4 billion as of this afternoon, anyway. Playing at home, if you were anywhere from seven and a half billion. Let's call it eleven point three. Up to eleven point three billion. You're within that twenty percent band either way, and give yourself a plus one. Now, Matt, if I'm keeping score right, that was Company Number no. Six, and I think you just got your third. Right. So, um, all right,
1: fifty percent.
0: Yeah, I you be started cold. That. The first half wasn't your half, but it sounds like you had a great halftime pep talk. I'm focused on Number Four. If I can get to four or above, I'm going to be that's happy. It. So that's it, par, baby. All right. <laughs> so that's Live Nation. Let's move to Company Number no. Seven. Now, Matt, I'm all ready to go to company number seven, but our producer Rick Engdahl is breaking into this podcast. Rick, what do you have for us?
1: Uh, breaking news from two thousand and fifteen, which is the last time Tracy Chapman updated her page. She does not seem to have any immediate plans for
0: touring. Oh, I'm oh, afraid my. to say that's she so she has sad. not updated her three years later. I
1: hope she's still alive. I mean, I, you know, I hear her all the time, and I still have I still have CDs for her. But you know, well, I'm...
0: every great musician lives forever, thanks to the world in which we live. That's true, in which we can just hear them anytime at our beck and call. Which is really one of the most remarkable changes from a century ago, if you think about it. The ability for us just to constantly be hearing and re-listening to music, versus having to find a concert hall if anybody was even playing that night, if you were near a city, and getting to hear anybody play an instrument, uh, which must have been a magical feeling a century plus ago. But wow, we kind of take it for granted these days. But yeah, Tracy Chapman, hey, she still sounds just as great here in 2018, even if she's not performed for about three years. That's right. Still alive. Okay, still good, alive. good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, H-63. we would have expected that. That would make me feel really old. <laughs> All right, good. All right, thank you, Rick. Back to company number 7. Now, this one is very well-known. It's probably the most widely held stock by Motley Fool Stock Advisor members, although perhaps Apple is there. And part of the reason that it's so widely held is cuz it's performed so well. It's been recommended numerous times as a best buy now. The ticker symbol is NFLX. The company is of course Netflix. Matt, the reason I wanted to include Netflix, I see you already smiling, so maybe you were ready for this one. <laughs> I mean, I realize you can kind of game the system here. What is Dave going to ask about? Is he going to talk about his biggest winner of all? <laughs> so you might know your market cap. And this game is for you, Matt, but really as you and I know, this game is for all of our listeners. So I'm really curious you at home playing along here, are you going to get within 20% of what Netflix is worth today? Now, part of what I want to introduce is this amazing statistic that in the last three months, Netflix stock is up 73% in the last 90 days. Now, I realize, this might be a market top for Netflix. We might look back and go, "Wow, they highlighted it right at the top." Who knows? People were probably thinking that two or three or five years ago. But Netflix has just been a tremendous company. Uh, first picked in two thousand four, Stock Advisor. Our cost was two dollars and thirty three cents. The stock today is three hundred and sixteen, so it's been a good investment from there. Two months later, in December of two thousand four, it had dropped, so I picked it again at a buck eighty five. So, and then twice in two thousand six, in the three level, my brother Tom. Found it, discovered it, added it to his side in Stock Advisor in 2007 at two dollars and eighty-two cents. Nice pick, Tom. In 2013, we re-recommended it. It was up at up to thirty-one at that point, but now, yep, it's at three hundred and sixteen dollars a share. So uh, we have made tens of thousands. Of percentage points in the company, our very best pick again, a buck eighty-five in December two thousand four is up sixteen thousand eight hundred ninety percent. That's a one hundred, just about seventy bagger for Motley Fool stock advisor members Amazing. who believed and have stuck with it even through the Quickster debacle and all the rest. Matt Argusinger and all my fellow fools everywhere. What is the market cap today? Shame if I don't get
1: this because it's it's also happens to be our number no. one biggest position size in Odyssey One and Supernova. 130 billion
0: market cap outstanding guess I'm not surprised you are within the band needed it is at 137 billion dollars today and so give yourself a plus one if you were anywhere from 110 billion on the low end to 164 billion on the high end I don't think any of us could have possibly expected the kind of performance that we've seen not just the last three months but the last 14 years oh no
1: it's been it's been remarkable uh, you know and I, I and I can understand why I mean you you have Reed Hastings who's just been a founder and CEO, and a relentless leader who is just singularly focused on providing great entertainment as easy as possible. And uh, you know that that sounds so simple, yet they've done it so effectively. Uh, and I, you know, I we might be calling it a peak here. I don't think so, though, because I just think there's so much more growth ahead of them, especially outside the U.S., as we've seen already. So, and Matt,
0: in Odyssey One, you all made this a pick in the first year of the service. It has been a spiffy popper for you. Um, have you paired it back, or what rough portion does it occupy of that real money portfolio that you managed to? Make? Well, yeah,
1: we've never sold, we bought it at yeah 2012, which was the first year of Supernova, and I want to say. Gosh, it's probably bigger now that I haven't looked at it in a while, but I think it's at least a fourteen or fifteen percent position. In the portfolio,
0: and since I'm looking at a computer, you can't, because otherwise you'd be cheating at the game. You are an honest lad throughout, so it is a 17% position in the portfolio. Do you imagine the team? Is there an unlimited percentage that you would allow this to occupy of your portfolio? Do you? Does the team discuss the dynamics of how to handle a huge winner like this?
1: You know, no, we haven't. I I think we've always decided that we're going to let, uh, as long as we still believe in the company, uh, we're going to let those winners run and. You know, it might get to a situation where we might be uncomfortable adding to it, just if it gets to say twenty percent of the portfolio. But uh, I don't see us pairing back anytime soon.
0: All right, we got three more companies left. Matt, you you're at four right now, so let's see what you think of our next one, number eight. Now the company's name begins with D, but the ticker symbol, we're going alphabetically here, starts with a P. Dave and Buster's, and the ticker symbol for Dave and Buster's. The restaurant entertainment venue is P L A Y play. We've had some fun ticker symbols this episode. Editas is edit. Live Nation, L Y V, sure that works for me. And certainly play for Dave and Buster's. Now, Matt, have you ever been to a Dave and Buster's? I have. I have. And what's, can you briefly describe the experience for those who've neither heard of nor been to this chain? Well,
1: many listeners might have taken their kids to, say, Chuck E. Cheese's, which you know combines pizza and games, but it's mostly for kids. But I feel like Dave and Buster's is the adult version of Chuck E. Cheese. It's just you go in, it's usually huge. You have uh, you have arcade games, but there's also live music and other things you can do, and the food is really good. It's just kind of a place to hang out and have a good time, and it's good for kids too. So it's really a family-oriented place. So Matt, have you been to mo- been more than once? I feel like I've been at least. Three? Is there times? a particular game that you would go back to? Well, I, I remember it's an, now it's an old game, but one game that I actually still like to play when I go to uh, Dave and Buster's is Guitar Hero because you just, you know, you load up your favorite song, you just go out there and you feel like you're rocking out. And, you know, I know Guitar Hero is like, you know, 10 years old now, but yeah. I still have a good time playing that. And Dave and Buster's one of those places you can play games like that.
0: What about so. growing up as a little Argus singer? Was there a particular arcade game that caught your fancy or that you were remarkably good at? Oh, gosh. I mean, or maybe Atari or something. Yeah, no. Throw you know, me a bone here. <laughs> well, I, you know, when
1: I was growing up, I think Street Fighter games like that were kind of the games I played. The kung fu type games, right, the two D fighters, where yeah, you're banging buttons, right. Double against Dragon. The... You know. you got it. Yeah.
0: And Matt, before we go to the market cap for Dave and Buster's. Um, we you and I, and the whole company had a lot of fun in the last couple of weeks because we had our Foollympics Olympics event. When I think of play, I can't not mention the tremendous job done by three of our leaders internally of our culture to put our company through a variety of events. We all divided up as three hundred and twenty employees in little kind of twelve full teams, and we were subjected to all kind. Could you just give a range of a few different events that that we participated in Full Olympics?
1: Well, geez, anything from, I guess, pull-ups to speed typing? To uh, you know, guessing songs, listening to music, and guessing the songs. I mean, it's just it's, it's a whole range. It's it's a lot of fun. Cornhole.
0: I got a gold medal. Did you get any? Did you you, you played right? I didn't. I did. I failed to medal in any event. Okay. I, I'm terrible. I mean, but you're actually very talented. So clearly, <laughs> what was the name of your team? We all named our teams. Oh my gosh! It was uh, Winterstan. Okay, Winter the, Olymp,
1: the, the Olympic athletes from Winterstan. We were kind of doing a play on the Russian athletes. Excellent. The, you know, the Olympic athletes from Russia. In the, in the I was Sofji.
0: I was part of the country, the Republic of Sweeney. And I don't know if you remember Elizabeth Sweeney, but she's the one who competed for Hungary, even though she's an American who went to Harvard. And she competed in the halfpipe, and she had no skills whatsoever. So oh, yeah, much was okay, made right. of, her, of her journey down the half pipe as an Olympic athlete who couldn't really do any moves. But it's kind of a great story about somebody who figured out how to go through all the compulsory events, and there are quite a lot to qualify for the Olympics and had her Olympic dreams. So we were the Republican Sweeney. <laughs> That's great. So my gold medal was in the spelling bee. Oh! I am the best speller. At Fool HQ, nice, and that is something that I find deeply gratifying, probably as gratifying or more as my selection of GoPro for Motley Fool rule breakers. (laughs) All right, so Matt Argersinger, Dave and Buster's, what is the market cap? I've got the I've got the number five
1: billion ringing in my head for Dave and Buster's.
0: That's a bad jingle. Oh my gosh, that's that's a bad sound in your head. So you have overrated the importance and value oh. of play in our society, pun intended, I guess. Because the market cap for Dave and Busters is one point eight billion. Oh
1: my goodness. So much smaller than I thought. So much smaller.
0: Yeah, and probably me too. 1.8. So playing at home, if you were anywhere from 1.4 billion to 2.2 billion, go ahead and give yourself a plus one. Matt for now is stuck at four at the top of the podcast this week, I mentioned that there were two companies that had an identical market cap but couldn't be more different from each other. And the two companies are Editas Medicine <laughs> and Dave & Buster's. And I, two I just, that I
1: totally whiffed on. I mean, well, whiffed.
0: Fair, but, but really, I, I, what I love is that they have the same market cap, and yet they're so wildly different in terms of what they do and the stage of the company where they are. And that's part of what I love. When you learn the lingua franca of market cap, you start to see things a little bit smarter. and It's a really interesting view you get. In fact, I think a lot of people, Matt, I know you're going to agree with me on this one, a lot of people think that the size of companies comes down to the price per share of the stock. So They'll say, tell me about stocks. Don't give me a stock that costs $438 a share. I like the ones that are $4.38 a share. People confused about, the sizing of things based on the price per share of the stock not the market cap.
1: Right, right. It's 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 really confounding to a lot of especially beginning investors who are just learning to, you know, buy their first stock. And and unfortunately, as we know, buying stocks usually with single digit stock prices, it's it's usually not a game you want to play.
0: Yeah, and you know, Thinking back just to our previous stock, Netflix, where we said we paid $1.85, now that sounds like we were buying a penny stock, but of course, that's all split adjusted. It's split a number of times. Netflix was never down at $2 a share. It's just that after some splits of the stock, that is the actual cost that we have. But yeah, that sometimes confounds people too. They think that you have to find a Netflix at $2 a share, and it never actually works that way. All right, I should mention we picked Dave & Buster's at $36.70 in June of 2015. It's up to 45 today. That's been a nice 25% gain, but behind the market. The S&P 500 has outperformed Dave & Buster's by about 16 percentage points, so I'm looking for a little bit more play from play going forward, but we like the company. OK, last two stocks. Matt Argesinger, this is another company with a corporate name much earlier in the alphabet, but a late-sounding ticker symbol. It starts with the letter S. And This is a pick that you made on behalf of me and my team and Stock advisors, some years ago, a company I know that is near and dear to your heart, I'm assuming. The company is Boston Beer. And I think a lot of us know it through Sam Adams, but it has a lot of craft beers these days. It has its own beer ecosystem, but it's also a very competitive beer world. Right. Uh, Too competitive in in a lot of ways. (laughs) Um, Gosh. Yeah, the ticker symbol is SAM, Sam. And uh, Matt, one of the reasons I would not have been able to pick this without your help is that I'm not as much a beer drinker. I don't know that world as much. You're definitely more than I am, but you don't appear to have a beer belly, so you're keeping <laughs> taking good care of yourself. But but what is your thought right now about kind of microbrew and the revolution and where where Boston beer plays these days?
1: Sure. Well Boston Beer, Sam, which is the Samuel Adams brand, they they were the kind of the leader of this revolution in craft beer consumption that happened, I don't know, starting ten or twelve, maybe fifteen years ago now. Uh, and there's just been this rush uh, to to all these microbrewers and small craft brewers coming to market, flooding the market with uh, with new options. And it's great if you're a beer consumer and a customer and you, you like to try new beers. It's just been it's been tough for a company like Boston Beer, which was had such a big market share in the space, and has seen that market share eroded a little bit as all these new competitors have come to market. Uh, but you know, I mean, they, they're holding their own, and they're one of the few companies that kind of has nationwide distribution in terms
0: of craft beer. So. Still, you know, a fighting competitor. Well, we first picked this stock together in 2010. It was May. It was about 59. Today it's at 182. So it's been a fine investment, up 211%. The only bad news is the market at the time is up 200%. So it has Mm. beaten the market, but not by much. Now, I don't think anybody's going to sneeze at tripling our money over eight years, which is what your pick has helped Stock Advisor members do with Boston Beer. Okay, Matt, what is the market cap? And I see it is in the Odyssey One portfolio. No pressure. But I feel like you—you you really should know this. I one. should. I, bet you I do should know, know this, this one. But oh. Matt, what is the market cap?
1: I've been going high too much lately. I'm going to go. I'm going to say
0: two and a half billion. Let's give you a check mark for that one. You were on the very precipice of too high, but you—you—you you, you reeled it in because the actual market cap of Boston Beer is two point one billion. Okay. So sure. give yourself a plus one if you were anywhere from one point seven to two point five. Do you want to say anything more about Boston Beer, or should we go to our last stock?
1: Uh, no, I mean it's a company I still near and dear to me. I've actually owned it since college, and I plan to keep owning it for as long as I'm alive, probably. So,
0: Alright, we're near the end of our game show. It's time for our final stock. Now, Matt, if my math is right, you've gotten five. Five out of nine. Now, your two previous appearances on the Market Cap Game Show, you got six. So, let's see if you can do it one more time. Matt, this is a company that I know you know because you have an account on this platform. It starts with a T, and it's one that we know a lot because we talk about it on this podcast. And it's Twitter, and the ticker symbol for Twitter is TWTR. Now, Matt, if I wanted to follow you on Twitter, what do I follow? Sure, it's it's well, mine's tough, unfortunately, but it's at. M. Argersinger.
1: So M. My first initial. My first name. Uh-huh. Argersinger. My last name. Yeah. Just... A.
0: R. G. E. R. S. I. N. G. E. R. You got it. I'm the spelling bee champion, of course. I got it. You, you know that. It. And uh, is it just that, or That's do you it, put at it, M. Argersinger? Yep, okay. You got it. That's all you need to awesome. do. Awesome. Now, now, Matt, I I do follow you on Twitter. I'm not sure you're highly active, nor nor am I really. But... I'm more of a I'm more of a follower than I am a. Twitter? Right. Guess, so, Twitter? so if I do yeah. follow you, what, what what could I expect in the next couple of months? What what would you be doing for me if I were to follow you on Twitter?
1: Well, you know, I will probably be tweeting about Tracy Chapman and her return to the tour. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. I, I I to me it's the most random stuff. I mean, I'll tweet, you know, I'm a, I'm a Boston sports fan, so the Red Sox, you know, aren't spring training, they're about to, you know, season's about to start. I might tweet some things about or retweet the Boston Red Sox. Twitter else so that not might not be exciting to most listeners, but you know, I'll if I read something in the news that I find interesting and
0: that I want to share I'll, I might
1: write something about that and tweet it. Yeah, that, that's the way reading.
0: a lot of us use Twitter. You don't have to tweet that you just ate this or that at this oh, restaurant nice. or anything like that. A lot of it is just kind of helping people find links to cool stuff. Right. And that's that's a big purpose of Twitter. Yeah. 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 All right. So, uh, by the way, do you have it in Supernova Odyssey 1? We Twitter? do.
1: We do. And um, we, I think we bought it a few times. I, I wish we'd have bought it uh, a little more recently because it's been on quite a run. And Tim Byers, who's on our Odyssey 1 team, is a big fan of Twitter as well.
0: Excellent. I'm glad to know that. Now, it first came to our attention in Rule Breakers in December of 2013. The stock was at 55 and a fraction. Uh, today it's 34. So, that's the bad news. We've been invested from that original point for more than four years, and it's gone from 55 to 34 However, good news, I did take a shine to it again, thinking, how can this thing be so beaten down in January of 2017? So, just over a year now, it was at $16.73, so it's more than doubled from last January. So, you put it all together in the alpha, we're not quite even between those two positions. But I think we're going to catch up. We're going to see Matt Argusinger and all my fellow Fools, what is the market cap of Twitter? I want to say it's right around twenty-five billion, and it is exactly twenty-five billion, and that's the way this show should end. Six Matt, out of ten, of course. You did six out of ten again, and on your final one, you nailed it. You you landed that triple axle with a nice half flip, right?
1: To toe loop at the end, a double toe loop right afterwards. The it. double
0: toe loop. <laughs> um, so I'm assuming that you, as do I, believe that Twitter will be worth more in future and is a good stock to hold.
1: I think so. I mean, I think I've always thought. The influence of Twitter seems to always belie the the business and the market cap. I just feel like the it's it's. I mean, I Facebook is by so by larger by so many factors, but for some reason, I feel like the the influence of Twitter has the potential to be so much larger. Yeah, uh, I I feel like someday it might.
0: Yeah, Twitter for me is one of those companies that passes what I've often called the pass my snap test. If you snapped your fingers and that thing that company disappeared overnight, the next morning would anyone notice? Would anyone care? And to me, if Twitter disappeared, um, everything from lots of celebrities and athletes right through to little you and little me, um, looking for good content and sharing it out, we would all desperately miss Twitter. I think uh, the world would be really disoriented that next morning. So, I feel like Twitter is a really good candidate for passing the snap test. It also has a pretty good balance sheet, which is why I was willing, after a drop from 55 down to $16, i would held it for three years, Why I did something I usually don't, which is add to a loser. Uh, And usually, if you see a strong balance sheet and you see a big snap test pass, those are the few times, the exceptional cases where I consider, yeah. Stepping up and going, let's add to it, even though it's down. So so far, it's worked out pretty well. The position's about even out. So it's all about what happens next, and it's going to be really interesting. Well, speaking of what happens next, Matt, I hope you'll join me in a quarter or so, and let's play the Market Cap Game Show again. I'd
1: love to, absolutely. Always Excellent. look forward to
0: it. Good, thank you. Yeah, there was a little bit of "This Is Your Life," Matt Argusinger, this time through <laughs> from the Little Theater of Alexandria. Right through to your pathetic holding of GoPro that you're still desperately <laughs> oh. holding on to, and so are the rest of us. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Matt, for your good nature, your good sportsmanship, and your talent. Oh, thank you, David. All right. So if you scored, I'm gonna say six or higher. Cause after all, if you tied Matt, I think you you beat Matt. So if you were six or higher, definitely hashtag I beat Matt. If you came in under, Hashtag, I lost to Matt. And just keep studying up and get better, because the more that we learn about the various market caps out there in the marketplace, within a given industry or across industries like Editas Medicine and Dave & Buster's, I think the better you're going to be thinking as an investor, somebody, again, who acts by definition for the long term. All right, I hope you had at least half as much fun as Matt and I did this week. Next week, I'm going to be welcoming in the author of one of my favorite business books. So, yes, one of those external interviews, although in this case, you won't hear a studio audience or a bad echo or anything, because Les McEwen will be joining me right here in studio at Fool HQ in Alexandria, Virginia. Which, by the way, did you see this, Matt? On behalf of the Alexandria Chamber of Commerce, I think we need to point out that Money Magazine, earlier this month, put Alexandria as the number 1 U.S. travel destination when you're factoring in quality, cost, and value, coming together to provide a terrific oh, travel experience. That's unbelievable! Now, the good news for Les McEwen, my visiting author who wrote the book Predictable Success, which is recommended reading for anybody who wants to read ahead of next week. The good news for Les McEwen is, like you and me, he lives in the greater D.C. area, so he can enjoy Alexandria. But yeah, the magazine cited Alexandria's historic charm and proximity to Washington, D.C. So, exciting on behalf of the Alexandria Chamber of Commerce, which could have been our ad this week and probably should be next week uh, to, to do it here in our studios. But yeah, Les McEwen, the author of the book Predictable Success. It's going to be a delight to check in with him and feature him for the first time in Rule Breaker Investing. In the meantime, Matt, Rick and all my fellow fools have a great week. Fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about rule Breaker investing at rbi.fool.com.